Welcome to Continuing the Conversation. I'm Carl Amuzu. And I'm Glenn Collins. Fos Church is a community creating space for everyone to find hope, beauty, and purpose in the story of Jesus. Continuing the Conversation is one of the ways that we try to create space for an expanded dialogue based on the interactions we are having in the conversations at Fos Church. In the biblical narrative, we often see God use the unexpected, the unimportant, to bring about change in the world. The story of Jesus, his birth, life, death, and resurrection is no different. Our new conversation started from the bottom, is an exploration of the good news according to Matthew. Over the next few weeks, we will look at snapshots from the book of Matthew that exemplify the good news found in the story of Jesus. This week we join in on an ancient conversation about the kingdom of heaven. In the book of Matthew, the good news is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, as seen in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What is the kingdom of heaven, and how do we participate in it? And so before we step into the main part of the conversation, I'd just like to ask Carl, um, do you have any thoughts about the message before we get started? Yeah, um, one, one of the things that stood out for me in the message, um, like just in the, in the interaction with people actually, was sitting with that notion of the kingdom of heaven as like present reality here with us. Like, you, you, know, you know what I mean? Like the kingdom of heaven is at hand versus um, the esoteric way that people have come to kind of see it as the kingdom of heaven. Oh, you mean when I go to heaven, that's the kingdom I will be in. And it was just really interesting to hear in the conversations that people could grasp the concept of the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Like here and now we can participate in it. But then there was also this pushing it off into an abject, like a sorry, an abstract kind of reality, um, because it's 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 one of those concepts that it's it's hard to play with. It's hard to to understand it in really concrete terms. But then we've also been so conditioned to understand it in these abstract terms. So when you saw that, um, what was some of that tension that you noticed to where, when they'd say yes, I could I could name the kingdom could be present. However, when you ask for, okay, how do we recognize this concretely, it switches immediately to abstraction to where we could say, of course, it's, it's almost the idea of, of course, we believe in love. We just could never show you. Of course, we believe in leprechauns. If you don't look for them, they're still true. Yeah, I think like maybe one of the, one of the places where I wish <clears throat> I, I would have maybe drilled down more in the message was on the notion of taking like when I talked about the ideas of liberation, the ideas of healing, the ideas of wholeness and reconciliation, um, like we talked about that in the conversation and it was really good, but actually just really concretely connecting that back to whenever we see these things, this is the kingdom of heaven. And I know I did mention it, mm -hmm. but I think it would have been better to open up and unpack that part a little bit more because I think those are the concrete things that we can actually hold on to. Like we can talk about liberation, not as an as a abstract theological concept. We can actually talk about this person that I know was liberated from X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? This person was healed from this. This person, you know, was reconciled to this other person. This relationship, the community, is wholeness is, is being restored. Like that kind of stuff. And that's where I thought some of the message actually was inspirational. Was the tangible elements that you said, anywhere someone was liberated, anywhere economic oppression, um, unrest can be answered and freed these are the points that you see the kingdom being birthed into the world that it connects to a, a tangible community to where at least for myself, when I found people struggling to answer, it's because the abstraction had to come from self. So when we said, where's the kingdom? It was like, well, uh, 
I know the kingdom because I experienced salvation. And it was never connected that one step farther that salvation is a communal element, not an individual right. And that was where you unpack, you connecting it to, yes, we can see the kingdom as we connect to the marginalized, as we give space for the voiceless, as we learn to witness God in the other. Yeah. And also it was, at least for me, what I wrestled with was that we got to see that um, we become inoculated to the notion of the kingdom. It becomes an abstraction because we've heard it so many times that it means nothing. We hear it to a point that we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's heaven. It's, it's where I go when I die. It's, it's where good people are. It's, and we just start rambling off these different altruistic notions that never have to wrestle with the grittiness of what it is to have a lived experience. Definitely. And I, I would say also like the tradition that I grew up in, at least, it took the kingdom of heaven and it tried to make it more present. Right, like the whole um, now but not yet kind of concept mm -hmm. of it, but it always put it into like the fantastical. Like the kingdom of heaven is present when all these fantastical things are happening, versus the kingdom of heaven is present in the mundane, like everyday aspects of our lives when we see the beautiful things that God is actually like that. Well, that Jesus is is unpacking and, and asking, like, do you see these things taking place? He's not asking, do you see all these fantastical things necessarily? He's saying, like. Like, like the, the oppressed are being set free. You know what I mean? People's lives are being, are being touched and healed and reconciled and different things like that. And some of it is fantastical, but a lot of it is like the mundane. Like, you know, people in prison are being released. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you know what I mean? Nobody looks at that and says like, man, that release date was miracle, miracle, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And I'd say if we took the gospel narrative that we pull this out of, um, we have at least they believe around a three-year time period truncated down into a few chapters. And within those chapters, the fantastical is not always prevalent, but the ability to be present with, walk with, and show how the kingdom is present if you can shift your focus Absolutely. becomes a very dominant way for the kingdom to be revealed within the Gospels. Which, and I think it's really, it's a kind of really cool point that you're bringing up because I think that's the value. Like people are like, why do we need four gospels? Or mm -hmm. they try to harmonize it into one story. But like Matthew's gospel, you know, it does have miraculous moments in it, but the miraculous moments kind of punctuate these like deep embedded relational moments. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, if you go to the, like the gospel of Mark, it's like, Jesus is like an action figure, you know, boom, 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 going on to the next thing, next thing, next thing, or so on. It's so like Luke, every, like they have a different kind of take on who Jesus is, which for me is really awesome because it, like we shouldn't try to harmonize that. We shouldn't try to just wash it away. And I think that's part of the thing that we've done when we talk about the kingdom of heaven is because we have this concept of afterlife and where do I go when I die or things like that. And because we've tried to conflate all these terms into like simple phrases or something like that, catch all phrases, we've kind of done the same thing that's been done to the gospel stories or the, you know, the gospel stories mm -hmm. is we make them almost unintelligible now because, or indistinguishable from one another. And we think that's a good thing when reality is, is like, no, the kingdom of heaven is such a rich concept, but when we make it about the afterlife, it, it's completely stripped of any meaning now. Hey, um, if I'm hearing you right, sounds like in the conflating of all the gospels is trying to make it one thing, we took away the value of the multiple. And exactly. in the multiple voices, we get a rich textured experience that rather than debating over should the comma be here uh, for the triumphal entry, did the tree wither and die in immediately or over three days, mm -hmm. misses the point of the symbolic beauty that's calling for. 
Oh, no. ab absolutely, absolutely. It's like if you're producing a song, like you don't just go get four guitars, right? Like you're gonna get a drum set, you're gonna get a I bass do. guitar, you're gonna get a piano, and these things are gonna create a much more layered and rich mm -hmm. context for the music to be heard, nice. right? Like you, we can all play the same notes, but if everyone's just playing the guitar, you're gonna sound like my second grade band class. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know it's creating room for the voices. I know um, when I was a kid, we had this a woman who was a tremendous pianist. Her skill was to the point, um, in our small community, they created a, a fund to buy her a grand piano because she was classically trained. But she wasn't used to playing with other voices. So when some people tried to bring her in to record, she filled every part of the song to where they had a choice of either cutting out her track or getting rid of every other instrument. Yeah. Because she overwhelmed, she had all the padding, all the riffs. And it wasn't that she intended to silence people. She didn't know another way to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, we, we could continue on with that metaphor all day long. Like, you That's know, my, I, I, well, lo I love that. So, you, but. Let's jump into then using kind of this metaphor, the jumping off point. We're going to step into the head, heart, and the hands, which is three levels of question asking that we say the head is a conceptual framework that allows us to rethink. The heart is where we have a reflective moment within our lives that we say, um, how does this impact my story? And then the hands get to ask one of the most important things. How do I live out of this story? Or how do I live into a better story tangibly? So going with the head question. John and Jesus and the, and the disciples all proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is near. How do we wrestle with the reality that it can be so easy to miss? Hmm. I think like that's it's that's a hard question. It's it's to me it's it's a simple question but a hard question to answer, um, because it, it it there's a lot there's a lot there's actually a lot to it, um, and when when I when I'm thinking about when I think about this question like the easy to miss part I, I like I think about my own stories my own my own life narratives right where. I think I, I, I have looked for the, the kind of fantastical over the top pieces of it and been like, okay, well, that's the kingdom of God then. And so I've kind of like, even, even, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal tradition. So the idea of someone giving you like a word, you know, a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy or whatever language that you want to put around that was like, oh man, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. That's like, like the kingdom of God is drawing near for me in those moments. Um, because it, 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 it felt, it felt a little bit more concrete than some of the other stuff, right? Like, but I think like in 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 waiting for that for me growing up at least, and even 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 more recently, um, I miss the moments of actually just being present with people in front of you because it's like I'm waiting for them to say something about me, and it becomes this almost narcissistic thing because I'm I'm waiting for them to say something for me, something I can take away, versus being in the communal moment of just hmm. saying like, let's sit in a relationship together. Let's listen to what God is saying to all of us together through each other's narratives, because that's actually probably uh, a more tangible word from God is to actually sit with somebody in their narrative, in their story. And so the kingdom of heaven probably draws a lot more near when I'm listening to you share about how God has impacted you or, or anything like that versus waiting for you to tell me like, Carl, this is what I think God's saying to you, right? Kind of stuff. And so just to, like for me, uh, to take a moment from my own life that even to this day, like 
I still struggle with sitting there. Like when someone says, Carl, I have a word for you. There's a part of me that's like, it's either going to be nonsense or it's going to be great, but I still like the fact it's about me. Right. And I, and I, and I, and I can miss the relational moments. <laughs> no, but it's, it's true. I, can... oh, no, I get you. Just, we have a completely different response um, to those moments when someone says, I have a word for you. The first thing that goes through my head is, oh, this is going to be crazy, but I'm going to have to smile, nod, and make you feel good about saying nonsense. <laughs> There's never been a moment in my head I thought, you know what's going to happen? It's going to be profound. I thought, ah, oh, man, you're off your meds. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I hope that one day I can have that hopeful side of it to say, this may be profound. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think like, you know, it's, it's, it's shaped like those moments. The reason I think it's for profound for me, at least, is that there's been some like pretty key moments that have shaped the trajectory of my life. And, you know, we can go into the psychology of it on another day. You know what I mean? Um, but I look at my life and I say, wow, like, OK, these things have rung true for me throughout mm -hmm. my life. They've been really meaningful to me throughout my life. But then there's also been moments where it's like that wasn't such a great word, per se. That wasn't very helpful. Um, so if I'm hearing you well in this, um, it's easy to miss, much like when we said, how do you describe the kingdom of God and became abstract once it didn't become about the community, but about I, that in, you're saying here again, it's easy to miss when we become hyper-focused on what does it mean for me and my personal future, rather than where does it bring me into community? Yes, yeah, yes. I, I'm, I am saying that, but I was, I'm using that just as an example. Like, I could go for any of that stuff. Like, mm -hmm. what you want to talk about, like, because again, I grew up in a Pentecostal tradition. Mm -hmm. So the idea of the kingdom of heaven, the now and not yet, the miraculous, the fantastical stuff, like, I grew up in the middle of all of that. And so there's a part of me that it's like, okay, well, the kingdom of heaven, well, that means we need to see these things taking place. Even though, like, theoretically, I, I know it's much more expansive than that, there's a part of me that's like, Okay, well, my knee hurts. Somebody, you know, pray for me, heal me. God, kingdom of heaven is here, right? And there's another part of me that is looking for those relational moments. Like, it's actually like the kingdom of heaven isn't not present because my knee didn't get healed, but it's actually present because there's a relational moment between the people that are, that are connecting in that moment. That includes the possibility or the potential of the knee being healed exactly, as well. Exactly, exactly. Right, so it's less about, like, what it says to my future, but more about the potentiality of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Um, for myself, when I was reflecting on this question, it has to do with the nature. I think it's easy to miss because we overdetermine things. And to be overdetermined to say, because A, therefore B has to happen. And because B, therefore it's C, D, E, and there's no variation, there, there's no openness to future. And I've missed when my expectations for A to B um, were guided by whether it was trauma, bad narratives, poor understanding, short-sightedness, or even, just being uh, younger or not seeing a full picture, just whatever it was that made it to where the calculation aspect didn't play or not even appreciating that just like other people, I'd say God is also being. And so there's, there's beingness to God that allows God to move and to pause. Um, that when I overdetermine and say, these things must happen so the kingdom must look like this, that it can almost blind me to be being open to the different ways it manifests, um, much like you said in the, the message, um, John was a prophet of the old age, and the, the disciples walked with Jesus for years and missed it the entire time. Because they're so focused on one way a story could end, there wasn't room for multiplicities of stories, for more inclusion, for more people, 
it was going to end with war in Jerusalem, and that's the only ending you could see. And I think that's where I've missed it. Um, so easily blinded, being close to it, hearing it all the time, but then saying it's fixed, it's overdetermined, there's one direction it can go. Mm. No, I, I like that. Like, because like, like, you know, going back a couple of weeks to the conversation mm-hmm. that we had about where we talked about the idea of agency and powerlessness and mm-hmm. power dynamics. Um, and it's interesting that when we try to superimpose our ideas of what the kingdom of heaven should be onto God, um, like what, if I'm hearing you, what you're saying, it's almost like there's a, there's a robbing, there's a robbing of the agency of God in the midst of that. Instead of understanding God as being, um, we understand God as doing, as, as doing bidding in a sense, mm-hmm. you, you know what I mean? So this is my idea. So God, why aren't you aligned with that versus if God is being, then God has, then the sense of agency that God has is to actually determine what this could look like versus what, versus what we want it to look like. Uh, no, absolutely. And I'd say, uh, a little bit more pointed in that one point of um, giving the agency is Paul says that we're co-creators with Christ. And if it's overly determined on one side, it's not a co-creative process. So we have to have freedom to give voice and say, I see something beautiful here. So it's not like it's overdetermined from God to make every event be exact or from us to dictate, but there's a co-creative process. And it's in that give and take beauty of the tension of a creative moment that we get to see the beauty. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I, and I, I love um, like John Caputo, what he talks about, like the beingness of God. And he talks about God as projectile <laughs> and that idea that like, that, like the God, like God is coming at us in a sense, but we actually can't determine what the landing will look like in a sense, like what the event will look like. And I think for us, when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, um, you know, the, and I would say that that's very much connected to God, like the idea of God drawing near, God being present. Um, we want to determine what God's presence looks like versus accepting God on God's terms, like accepting God as projectile in a sense, like it's full of potential, but we just don't know what. Yeah, and I, I love his notion in that, that um, what he says we're supposed to do in helping each other is helping us be able to try to anticipate that which you could not see coming. So it's not a matter of an absolute discipline. It's saying that you're creating room for the unexpected, and in light of the unexpected, you get to see your response to God. Absolutely, and like like in light of like the disciples and John's vision for the kingdom of heaven, like there was nothing more unexpected than the Messiah that dies on a cross, right? Like absolutely. And so like like even the narrative itself shows us that we need to create like like help create to help create space to hear that version of the story is so important. Well, and not to domesticate it. Because um, I'd say in switching to the heart where we get to reflect into our own lives is where have you experienced or seen the kingdom of heaven around you and how has that influenced the way you understand faith or live is sometimes in these moments we domesticate the message because we're, you, we know how the story ends. The Messiah dies. So for us it's not that shocking. But to say that there's the death of God, the death of hope, the death of a restored people, a restored nation if we personalize that, people say, what does it look like to, ha- to hold in your hand the, de- the death of every good thing that you dreamt about for your family and people mm-hmm. um, can allow us to not domesticate, but realize that the unknown part of experiencing the kingdom, it's actually really shocking. It's not something that we get to um, put on a shield and say we conquer the world in. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And I think like it's in, in, in like just to kind of tag on what you're saying a little bit there, 
it's almost like like the way that we treat you know um the passion week in a sense or or mm -hmm. The Easter season, right? Resurrection season. We we jump from Good Friday all the way to Easter Sunday in one single bound, and we actually don't sit in the occupied tomb very often, right? And and and, and it's interesting to me, at least, that as Christianity has matured throughout the you know throughout its history, that once it hit um, the empirical stage of Christianity, the the it, the, the blending with empire, um, we actually began to to lose that that sense of sitting in in Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is like you know the only day in Holy Week that's not actually um, part of any liturgical rhythm. Uh, it's super uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, um, it's really hard to show up into the place that says we celebrate the God who became present. It's like where where's the iconography? Where's the pictures? Where are the celebrations? Like nah, tonight's the depressing night. Tonight we're going to sit in angst and say we don't know if the sun rises tomorrow. Um, that's difficult not to say, at least in the conversations we've been having, that how, where we experience the kingdom of heaven, um, the points that we let that tension, the sadness, the dark night of the soul sit with us at times have been some of the um, brightest moments that I've seen uh, the kingdom of heaven in other people who realize that together we rise, that there is something beautiful to hold on to for tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree. Like, I think, like, you know, like I've had, you know, some, you know, different profound moments in my life. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the most profound, like, things that have stuck with me was when is it was what my first class, one of my first classes at Fuller, like the first quarter that I was at Fuller Theological Seminary, and the the professor put the image Holbein's um, um, the occupied tomb image of the occupied tomb on on the screen. And it's a picture of like, like the dead body of Jesus laying there. Something in it like just like resonated with me on a level that I, 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 I've never felt before. Because it was actually like, like that was the moment I could relate to the humanness, the, 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 the incarnation, the idea that God actually came near to us was in looking at that picture. Otherwise, before that, it was just like, yeah, cool. I grew up in the church. Like, yeah, incarnation. Jesus was human. Absolutely. Of course, I believe these things. Mm -hmm. Versus like, no, like it's actually only in the death of, it's only in the death of Christ, in the death of God that we understand, like for me at least, that I could understand the, the implications of incarnation, the implications of what it meant for the kingdom of heaven to be at hand. Because it's it, like what we wanted to come in power, it came in in, in what looked like the antithesis of power came in what looked like weakness, but it was ultimately the thing that broke the systems of like the powers, you know, to be. It, yeah. it actually broke it wide open and said, "These paradigms don't work. These systems don't work. These things um, no longer have place." And it's only through that 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 looking at the literally looking at the, the the dead body of Jesus in a tomb, and it's like if we don't have that moment, if we don't if we can't sit with that moment, I think like. For me, at least, the kingdom of heaven is always going to just be this abstraction, this ethereal thing, because that, yeah. that's the thing that truthfully grounded it the most for me. That's uh, amazing. Um, I know for myself, because we've done a, a few uh, Holy Saturday events, and it's been one of those that it gives place for my own humanity, because especially being raised around a tradition that you, in any pain, you're supposed to be able to say, well, you know, it's nothing compared to, or I'm just waiting on that healing. Like we always had a positive thing we had to say at the end, 
you could never do full stop. It's Holy Saturday. It sucks. Um, depression won today. The darkness has set in. And we always had to have this brightness that that moment of incarnation, that the death moment was it, like, no, it creates room that the kingdom affects the full span. Just a moment now. The kingdom expands. Just jump mm -hmm. back in. I'll edit. I'm hearing doors back there. So I was waiting for that to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, but I'm just saying, just jump back in. I'll edit. Okay. But the, the kingdom expands to not just fill the bright moments where things come through, but to honor the fact that we can show up depleted, close to death ourselves. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I like what you're saying in that, because like it, for me at least, um, the kingdom of God, like, how do I put it? Um, well, I'll just make sure my phrasing mm -hmm. comes correct. So I had a, fr a friend of mine said this one time is that like God can never be any closer or any farther away from you, right? Like, the, so there's this notion of like God's presence in that sense um, is, is, is constant, right? And so in, in that sense, like I would almost say like, like the kingdom of heaven um, is it's like when we talk about it being at hand or being near, um, I would say, like in the person of Christ, like it's 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 become it's 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 going to it's a it's at a constant in a sense, but it's through weakness, it's through vulnerability, it's through the the the, the occupied tomb moments, the dark nights of the soul, it's through allowing those moments to actually break open something that we can see the kingdom of heaven present, even even in its constant. I don't yeah. know if that fully makes sense. But. No, it, it makes uh, it makes a beautiful depiction that. Um, our experience of angst and everything that you, the constant is presence, not power. Exactly. If the constant is presence, then even when it seems like power is faded, that control has faded, we understand that the kingdom is present with us. And I say in the act of courage from these moments, because the question went, how has it affected how we live? I'd want to quote my uh, f favorite professor uh, that I sat under for theology, who ended a class by saying, it's it's by faith that we keep Christ's cross empty and don't place anybody else on it. Mm. And it's, that's how it's affected me to be able to embrace my own um, dark night, my, uh, my own wider experience of humanity has really um, pushed me to recognize that the kingdom must be lived out in a way that keeps the cross empty. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And, and I, I resonate so much with that. Like, I think like, the way that it's affected my faith is, is very similar to that, where, you know, as, as, as someone like, you know, being multi-ethnic, but um, having no, you know, I would say having no choice really, but to identify as a black man within society, um, even though I'm multi-ethnic, um, like coming from those, those spaces where, where, where you have other people's oppression, you know, thrust upon you in a sense. And, and so you become a victim of the systems of oppression and things like that. And there's, there's a part of me that it's like, man, we need to just grab power. Like we need, like, like if I grab power, then I can't be a victim anymore. Right. Kind of, mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And there's something about the way of following Jesus into the kingdom of heaven or, or, or you know, you know, allowing that to sit with me that as much as I want to do that, it no longer that doesn't make sense because like the idea of like the power and principalities of this world to use Pauline language um, no longer makes sense like it's it's actually the 
the subversive way of the kingdom of heaven being present in its power, in, in, a, in a, what we would maybe deem as a powerless state per se, um, is actually the most powerful thing we can do. And it's, 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 it's so radically shaped my response to people, my response to my own angst and anger even, where I feel like, when, when I feel like, man, it was my right to be angry, but there's something inside of me that, it, that, it, that is like, well, like, let it go, right? Like, like, it's like, yeah, that person did you wrong, but let it go. Like, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, let it go. And, and it's not about, like, allowing people to continue to victimize or something like that, but it's just like, am I gonna be owned? Like, reality is, is that as long as I'm fighting the powers that be, I'm still caught up with the powers that be. But if I let it go, there's something about walking into the kingdom of heaven that, that, that it's, it's the antithesis. Like you have to, like, you can't fight fire with fire in that sense. You know what I mean? You got to just let it go. And, and so for me, it's really affected me in, in, in trying to understand it in, in that tension of, like, it's my right to maybe do these things. It's my right to fight back or whatever. But as long as I continue to fight the powers that be with their weapons, I'm always going to be locked in that systemic struggle. That uh, makes sense. And it's, um... I think you bring a powerful point there, which often when we talk about notions of powerlessness, um, at least friends of mine who have experienced moments of trauma and abuse, what they hear is, so I'm not allowed to have boundaries. I'm not allowed to say that I have an autonomous ownership of my body, so um, you can't, you shouldn't harm me. And that's, it's not what it's saying, but in, in this essence, uh, to, to keep it as an active stance of, I will not use the same weapons against you that you use against me. Mm -hmm. My, my um, hope is not to traumatize you in equal and uh, vengeful way that you've traumatized me. Mm -hmm. That It becomes a, um, the ability, the, the pathway, the tension of creating a new story when honestly a lot of other people won't be able to um, completely recognize it because an active stance, that is a pacifist is is not a coward stance it it's one where you have to actually step into a gap and say i, I won't fight your way but i also cannot let this stand yeah which ultimately is what killed christ if he would have said by all means let's take arms and go to war he would have had people follow him in but him saying we will come to the kingdom but not in the way you'd hoped we'll come to the kingdom but not by anybody's blood yeah. He tried to keep the cross empty before he was put on it. Absolutely. Which, which, I, like, I'm bad at, at, at this part here, but which gospel is it that, that where Jesus says, if my kingdom was of this world, um, a legion of angels would come and rescue me? You're blending a couple. Okay, see, that's why I'm, I'm bad at this. Um, see, I grew up in a harmonized tradition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have Matthew that says, do you not think that I could call legions of angels down? So basically, um, when they rose up against him and Peter tried to pull a blade, he said, do you not think I have an army? But that's not how this story ends. Mm -hmm. And then you have in John to where Pilate asks him, are you a king? He said, if my kingdom was of this world, my soldiers would be coming now. Mm -hmm. And that's the one I'm thinking of um, is, is the John one, right? But that, that, that idea even of... Like Jesus, the kingdom of heaven being something different. So if Jesus mm -hmm. is is the the representative, the you know, I mean the the, the tangible incarnation, yeah, and 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 the thing that we can see, or the kingdom of heaven is coming is coming, and 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 he's just saying it looks completely different. We got lots of time, but he's saying that it looks completely different, 
and, and that's uh, to me that's just something that is it's just it's, it's a cool image for me mm -hmm. at least to be able to reflect upon how we're talking about this question so far about the idea of power dynamics and things like that which i don't know if anyone's been listening along with us over the last few weeks has been probably a pet kind of conversation topic for us but i think it's such an important one in a society that's obsessed with power Oh, and I'd say it's it's an important one right now, since even in Canada, you guys get enough of uh, my people's news, since I'm American, um, and that our news cycle is so much about the grabbing for power, um, each side accusing the other, um, and our politics is very much the deba debasement of anybody who opposes me, um, that we hear it all the time, that the way the world works, the way the system works, is this way of absolute strength. And if we're supposed to be someone who lives out a different narrative that says we don't live in fear, we live in the belief that there will be enough for everyone. We don't live by shrinking the borders. We recognize that the kingdom of God shows up with the Gentiles, the Romans, and the heretics still present with the good and faithful, that the kingdom is amidst our presence now. Um, we at times will have to speak about power and systems and oppression and things that we assume are natural because they're a part of our culture, so we assume that's just the way it runs. It wasn't until I moved to Canada that I, I experienced a political cycle to where there was no name calling because I heard a radio um, th uh, ad play and uh, Carl actually was like, oh, Glenn, I'm sorry. Um, we're starting to have, you know, like mudslinging hate speeches. And the ad said... <laughs> We're not saying never, we're saying not yet. And that was the whole hate speech ad, just saying he needs to grow up a little bit, but you know, he's a good guy. And I was like, wow, you guys, you guys don't know how to do this. You need to step your game up. You didn't insult his mom, his dad, his family, his ethnicity, his philosophical beliefs, what school he went to. I was like, you guys dug up nothing. You just said, I think he needs some time. <laughs> and that is Canadian mudslinging. Um, but it's, it's in those moves that we have to be able to unveil these movements that grab and try to put others into the point of choice, into the point of crucifixion, that we can't wear these things as weapons. Yeah, that's good, that's good. I think it's, it's probably a good time for us to move on to the, the hands question. And that question is, how can we proclaim and participate in the kingdom of heaven here and now? Constantine's sword. No? Edit, edit, edit. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, historical jokes work. If people got them. <laughs> Constantine and sword. What is there to <laughs> yes. Fine. Well, uh, how do we proclaim the, and participate in the kingdom of heaven? Oh, like, you, well, you want to bring up Constantine. Uh, I, I love the story that people, that people tell of Constantine, mm -hmm. of the, where like, he had a vision of putting the, the cross onto the shields of his soldiers. And it says, in this symbol, go and conquer, right? And it's, and it's funny to me because in what era of Roman history did they not conquer by the symbol of the cross, right? That's what they did to those who opposed the empire. That's always been what they did. And so it's just funny to me that um, the cross, when it was co-opted by like followers of Jesus as a symbol of absolute like subversive, subversive reality, um, and then for the empire to take it back and say, ah, we don't like you guys holding on to it the way you're holding on to it. It's actually about killing people. Let's kill people with it. Well, no, they, they did like what every kid does. It's like, I don't want this anymore. It's like, you're playing with it. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool again. Yeah. But um, 
But honestly, in, in light of this saying that, one, it can be easy to miss because we've been inoculated to some of the um, actual powerful storytelling of the kingdom of heaven because we've heard it so much and then we've personalized it so it's always about me and my salvation rather than a systemic change. But the systemic change doesn't come as we expected. It doesn't come with a heavy hand. It doesn't come with a blade. It comes with a calling to a table. So how do we proclaim something that has to be invitational? How, how do we make yeah. these announcements when it's actually counterintuitive to the stories yeah. for us to corner, trap people, um, do the things that we both experienced when people thought that we weren't Christian enough, um, trap us in corners outside of buildings to be like, you need to say you're a terrible person, I'll lead you into a prayer. It's like, dude, I, I'm just trying to get a coffee. Like, yeah. So what does it look like to have the powerless kingdom as something that we can be invitational into? Yeah, and I, it might be a story that I've shared before, and if it is, I, I apologize, but it's one of those stories that is, is, is sat with me in the mix of this, was that just a, a friend um, who just shared a story about her own experiences, about feeling alienated and pushed out from, from the church community. Um, and the way that she actually sat with her her own community um, and for her, it was like they would like she would host a, a meal probably once a week because it was so important to get people who felt rejected to be able to sit down at a table and find a place of belonging together. And so I would say like, like we can look at what which what, what she shared as her narrative and her story. Like here's all these people who feel rejected and and marginalized and disfavored and cast out. And I would say the kingdom of heaven looks like it's proclaimed. When, when the invitation says, you are wanted, you are you, your presence is, is, is requested here in a sense, and it's participated in when we begin to gather around the table and break bread with one another. So if I'm hearing you correct, it's, it sounds like um, it's proclaimed when you can recognize the other person's humanity, and it's participated in when you learn how that's celebrated. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, just, it goes to that, the relationship nature of the kingdom of heaven, I think, like it's it's seen most tangibly in the in the interconnectedness of relationships. So, what does that look like then? Um, now, since uh, I'd say at least from the stats we've read, um, the biggest need for people around the Greater Vancouver area is a need for community. So, if we're saying the kingdom is this invitation that recognizes your humanity. But we're so tempted when we recognize somebody's humanity to try to make it look like ours. So you need to come to the space the way I own it. Yes, I'm going to be polite and create room for you, but you need to be aware of um, my culture's habits, my sense of space, and even where I draw boundaries politically, socially, philosophically, to say we can recognize multiple humanities, not just things that are one degree removed from me. Yeah, and I'd say throw potlucks. And the reason I say that is that, like, when we begin, like, Canada, like Vancouver, man, we have so many different cultures and ethnicities represented that if you try to, like, dictate what the menu should be at a potluck, you're going to get a very whitewashed meal. And But if you just say, hey, bring your favorite dish, like, bring something that represents you and come to the table, uh, one, I think, like, in a, in a very real sense, tangible sense, you're going to get really, really good food. But in a metaphoric sense, you're, you're, you're also saying to that person that your whole self is welcome at this table. And, and so I feel like, like, just in a practical way, like, creating that space where we're not trying to create 
more versions of X. Like we actually want to see the entire alphabet come to the table. We want to see it in all of its glory. We want to see it in in all of its deliciousness as if we're using food as a metaphor. Like when you come to the table with things that I've never, I can't even pronounce and I've never tasted before. Like it opens up my experience into an expansive new reality. And I think that's the, what the kingdom of heaven is all about. It's actually inviting us to sit at the table, be present um, and not try to co-opt your experience, but then, but be able to sit and be present in the midst of your experience because it's going to expand my experience as well. And that's uh a beautiful thing. I'd actually want to press a little bit on one thing you said, just because it can be so easily glossed over. What are you meaning when we invite somebody to the table in order to co-opt their experience? Um, it, 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 a couple different things that, that can be taken from that. One is that I, I, I like we 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 often we 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 kind of we kind of fetishize people's narratives, like so. So this person, maybe they they came they came to the table, um, they came to the, like to Canada from another country. They have a different religion. All of a sudden, they're coming here, and all of a sudden, it's like you know this person. Well, they're here now. This is what it is about. This is what they're doing. Look how look how this person adapted, and now that one singular narrative is something that becomes the standard generalized thing. That well, everybody from that culture needs to do the same thing now, mm. right? And so we we take that narrative and actually weaponize it. Um, and create instead of instead of creating hospitality, we create hostility with it. So if I'm hearing you, we take one person's experience and try to make them token and normalized for every experience that, and honestly, not people that they would say they represent, but someone outside of them. So usually it'd be I say you connect to these people, so yeah. these people must also be like you. You guys are all the same shade of brown. You guys must be the same thing, right? Kind of idea. Okay. And that's, that's a big point of what are we trying to say when we say we're inviting to the table and um, we're proclaiming a kingdom and we're actually proclaiming a kingdom of a God that was so creative as to have made all world culture kind of an idea that we say that God is present in all um, people that is so diverse um, and actually so beautiful that if we can say that there's such a wide range of beauty and representation of God, if we believe the notion that it says in the first couple chapters that we are the image of God, we're the icons, we're the thing that if you want to see God, look at each other. At least if you're reading um, Genesis 1, it's when it says we're the image bearers, we, we do want to say when to witness God, find it in the other person. Mm -hmm. um, we can't be so arrogant as to say that my understanding of culture and value is the dominant one. And the closer you are to mine, so for me it'd be small town, um, North American, in, in the United States rural environment, the closer you are to small town Americana, the closer you are to God. We actually have to shift our focus a bit, like we said in the beginning, to witness the God we couldn't see coming in the people that we didn't realize God was already present with. Yeah, absolutely, and I think like just tying that in even to like like the name of, of folks as our as our church like like the like we we kind of tap into that that narrative and that language like folks being the Greek word for light, and often the way that we heard the idea of light well, well light will shine and it'll cast out darkness and blah 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 blah, but for us we we have taken that language to say like no the vocation of the church is actually yes we are to be the light of the world, but when the light shines it actually highlights 
where God is already present with people in the stories where God is already present. And it's, it's, it's not taking the, it's making the, it's not making the assumption that we bring God anywhere. It's that God is already present and we have the blessing and benefit to help other people see it. And, and I think like, that's like, like the metaphor coming to the table without co-opting narratives is saying your story is beautiful and here's where I see God in it. Like, I think that's for me, at least like, like offering a space of hospitality in light of Christ versus um, trying to like co-opt other people's narratives and then transform it into something that it was never meant to be. And I'd say if we just press the metaphor beyond reason of the notion of light, um, also we'd notice that the light allows you to see the particularity because in the dark, every room looks the same. It's nothingness, it's void, and it's completely full. It's only when you turn on the light that you get to see the shape, the color, and how someone decorated and created a home out of a house. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, we hope that by the way we announce the kingdom of God, the way we proclaim and participate in it, it's giving more light into a room that you can see the, the particular beauty present there, as opposed to one that has to get superimposed over. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think it's a great place for us to, to, to wrap up. Um, do you want to give us the, the one minute summary? I'll have to speak fast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, as you've been going with us, the first question we asked is that kingdom that is near, but we can so easily miss. We found, at least within our own stories, that it's missed when we overdetermine, we dictate what it has to be, and we're not open to the God of projectile who comes and moves us. That it's in what we couldn't see coming that we can witness the beauty of a more expansive story. As we reflected into our lives of where have we experienced or seen the kingdom of heaven around us? And how has this influenced the way we've lived? We'd found that it was actually in our weaknesses that we were able to discover not only our own humanity, but the ability to relate to the incarnation. Because it was in the death of God that we found solace and space to say, life is not always beautiful, but sometimes we must sit in darkness together. And from there we can dream and hope for that which could be the next morning. Then we landed in the hands of how do we take these experiences and make them tangible. And we said, especially within the particularity of the greater Vancouver area, with the need to be able to recognize each other's humanity and have open tables, because isolation and loneliness is one of the um, highest markers right now for stressors on our own mental health, even in this time of COVID, that it's creating that space to where the person can come and represent their culture, their beauty, their food, and show you how there may be an aspect of God that we would miss because we didn't see it through their eyes, that we will create a place of participation and invitation that is open to the wider expanse of who God is. Right, thanks, Glenn. Um, and so with that, like, just want to thank you for, for journeying with us, um, taking the time to listen in and be part of this conversation. And we always want to just invite you to, to, to connect with us more. And you can always just go to www.fos.church. That's fos.church. And there's a whole bunch of ways that you can connect with us there. There's um, ways that you can, you can follow in with gatherings and different things like that. But we just love for you to connect with us, reach out to us, and love for you to be part of the conversation going forward. And so with that, bless.